0: You're listening to You're Fresh Side of Game And I'd be so fresh fresh, the
1: fresh podcast network Blilikish Kushi Straight from Tel Aviv, Israel Akma like Shamanian Let's go Hi, my name is Hilal Ezovich
0: And I'm Ron Avon We are two entrepreneurs from Israel And we are on a journey to find out what makes entrepreneurs, investors, and CEOs
1: succeed or fail.
0: And we hope to inspire your journey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TLV DNA show. And with us today is Ron Brightman, the co-founder and CEO of Gigantic, right? That's correct. That's great. All right, and... Ah, we got two runs yes. on this episode. Another run and that's a jackpot. So, <laughs> tell us in a nutshell what Gigantic is doing and and where where is it located? What's going on there? It's it's kind of mysterious. In a nutshell,
2: okay. So uh, we're Gigantic, and our first app is called Cloy. And uh, what we do is actually quite special, quite unique. Um, we uh, create a new Vertical in the gaming space, uh, we enable our players to play on real physical machines, okay? They control real physical game machines. Uh, We started mostly with claw machines, and now we're also expanding to other arcade uh, games. So the player controls a real claw machine, uh, and he sees his actions in live video. And when they catch a prize, they get it delivered to their doorstep which is uh, very cool and uh, indeed uh, we have uh, lots of uh, very happy players uh, playing with us for the last three years we started the company about three years ago Uh, and um, we're trying to keep innovating and and pushing this uh, new vertical forward Um, so that's in a nutshell
1: so basically you, ta- you took a game that we all mm. know from our childhood and you upgraded with the c- technology to a new level and become a trend and I guess not only to people who experienced it in the past but also for children and tell us about your so audience.
2: Okay so it's a little bit like that uh, but also different because you think that uh, not everyone has experienced the claw machine And in reality, there is almost no one that has not either played or was with someone who's playing a claw machine. It's uh, everywhere in the world. Claw machines were invented a hundred years ago. Uh, The first claw machine was invented in uh, in the US. It was called the iron claw. And uh, ever since then, it uh, expanded uh, organically throughout the world. So there's almost no country where you cannot find claw machines. And in some countries, you can find them anywhere, Okay, especially in the Far East, but anywhere else as well. So everyone is familiar with claw machines, but, uh, but they're considered very simple uh, uh, gaming devices. And what we have done is we brought them to the 21st century. We're enabling playing on real claw machines through, through the app. We also have a mobile uh, web and uh, mobile web and other platforms, but mostly through, through the apps on uh, Apple and on Google store. Uh, and uh, the thing that it does, it creates a very unique game experience because uh, players, people, now everyone is a player, so players are, are used to play on virtual machines, virtual stuff uh, that is animated and drawn and we got used to that but once you are playing on a real physical machine and you're controlling something that is actually happening in reality and you can see through live video streaming it creates a different game experience
0: yeah it's uh, it's a lot more powerful (laughs) it's kind of a retro future you know exactly (laughs) it's
2: it's it's (laughs) that's a nice (laughs) definition i never thought about it
0: yeah it's it's like you're bringing the machines we all know from the arcade you know started the late 70s or maybe uh beginning of the 80s and today you let everyone play through the virtual platforms that that everybody know right so tell us about the ideation process were you uh like let's establish an arcade or was it From the beginning, your idea to make it scalable like that? uh,
2: It's a little bit more mundane. Um, I've been doing uh, online marketing or performance marketing for the last uh, 20 years. I've been in many companies, big and small. And um, before that company, I founded with my existing uh, co-founder another company that we did the service for uh, for other mobile apps, mobile games, uh, for marketing them, distributing them and through that service we actually saw and 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 interacted with hundreds of uh, of other apps uh, successful ones okay only the successful ones that had budgets to to promote them and we promoted apps anywhere in the world and we saw all everything that's going on in the mobile uh, games market which is obviously uh, a very growing and innovative and interesting market and uh, through that we realized that uh, first we realized that and that's i think an important thing for uh, for entrepreneurs uh, most as as we all know most new things fail okay most idea most of the ideas fail so uh we saw so many apps that that had a, a good start but failed and we saw how competitive the market is uh so The first realization was that if we ever want to do something uh, like that ourselves, it has to be extremely powerful and in a way, um, to get as close to kind of vetting the idea before you actually go for it, is also a very good uh, tip, if you like. Uh, So uh, we saw something that was a little bit uh, like that in the Far East, okay? Uh, It was mostly done on web, and we helped them um, become bigger in in the mobile. And it was uh, a very Eastern app, okay, with all the Eastern, uh, you know, Far East uh, um, um culture culture and look and feel and and methods and, and everything else. And we realized that this has a huge potential, and we can make something Western out of that. That will be even bigger and more successful, and with all the kno- the the knowledge that we have, and and that uh, people around us can have, uh, to make it huge, and um, and at the beginning, uh, we, again, we didn't go uh, all in uh, at day one. As a bootstrapped.
1: Bootstrapped. We started
2: as bootstrap, so we put some of our own money into that. And uh, I had no idea how to take uh, a claw machine and, and turn it into a, <laughs> a mobile game. So uh, we bought one second-hand claw machine from you know, a small arcade or whatever. And, uh, and then we had to find someone who, n- who will know how to connect it, just you know, to, to make it available uh, to control through the internet. So basically to create a very basic API. Uh, and, and it was successful. And then I went and found uh, an offshore uh, company to do uh, the MVP of the app itself to see that the app can control the claw machine and they did it and it was successful. And then I paid a little bit more money uh, to have it done as a, as a very basic mobile app and I fully, believe in the notion that you have to get to the market as fast as possible not because you need to be uh, before your competitors which is also very important but mostly to validate what you're doing and to iterate and to improve what you're doing so uh, we did what what's called an MVP which is a very basic uh, mobile game that controls the the machines I bought like three more so I had us five about the machines test
1: with real users.
2: okay so that's that's exactly that point uh, we I got to the point where I thought okay I have I have a game with five machines and very very basic game but it's good enough to test it so I beta launched it uh, in Israel here uh, and kind of like the next day I woke up it was a few days but <laughs> it sounds better as the next day <laughs> next day I woke up and and uh, I found out that people here actually are playing the game and even paying for the game. Uh, and, and then I had to actually take prizes and go to the post office and post <laughs> to them, send to, them to, to people. <laughs> and, but it was, it was surprising. I remember that uh, the first uh, significant payment was 100 shekels, which is nothing. But back then it was, uh, it, it was amazing. Symbolizes thought, something. Yeah, yeah, I thought if 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 someone f- is willing to pay a hundred shekels for something that is so um, uh, simple and, and not not there yet, then then there is something uh, very good here. And at that stage, I I thought I, I realized that I needed to raise funds. So that was the the you know a lot of. Uh, entrepreneurs raise funds in the ideation uh, process or maybe only in the when they have some kind of uh, uh, software not tested yet i was not confident to take money from others uh, before i had enough um proof especially for myself but also obviously it's good for for, for raising for the raising funds. the funds and at that stage i uh, i started to go around and uh, and search for funds and that that is another story, uh, which is uh, interesting because it was my first time uh, raising funds. And uh, what
1: was the challenge in the process of getting uh, to investors?
2: Okay, so I actually faced a different challenge than what I thought. Okay, that I thought that the challenge will be mm. to actually raise the funds, and it turned out to be something else. Um, I was told that uh, maybe 1 in 10 people will say yes and and I but I don't know people from the industry because I'm many years in the industry so I started to go around and almost anyone I spoke with said yes or everyone <laughs> <laughs> so almost everyone so uh I very very fast, very, very fast. it's very rare yeah. okay but you know I think I think I think you know most of the uh, investors that I approached, uh, they are from the industry, not uh, outsiders of the industry, and they realized that there is something valid here mm-hmm. that has a, a big potential. And um, and some of them also know me, uh, or know someone that knows me, so it was relatively easy in that manner. And But what happened is that very, very fast, it, it became so that I had too many people that wanted to invest in the company, and uh, initially I I intended to raise a million and a half uh, and I ended up raising two million at the higher valuation and still had uh, many people that wanted to invest in the company and I had no uh, space for them, no mm-hmm. room. And also the existing investors, uh, some of them wanted to, to put more money in. I didn't have uh, enough uh, room. So your them. challenge was choosing
0: the right uh, funds or the right investor?
2: No, I think the challenge there was that um, I changed the, the round from being a million and a half to and I changed the valuation and that created a lot of tension uh, with, the, with the investors because the it shifted, it changed for them and that might have been a mistake, or I don't know, ma- maybe it was not a mistake but maybe I should have uh, managed it in a different way um, but that was challenging but I th- e- eventually everyone understood and, and, and it, and it uh, went through and it was successful. You
1: said that you would do it differently, try now with your uh, mm-hmm. knowledge so, our entrepreneurs who learn
2: from it to say, what would you change in your process? Okay, so, uh, you know, in hindsight, everyone is very smart. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's not fair. So, obviously, the, the easy answer I would tell you is that I had to aim for a higher uh, amount from the get go. Okay, but that's easy to say. I think a more, maybe a more introspective way to say, or a more uh, beneficial way for others is uh, the issue of uh, communication with the investors. Uh, I think uh, that's something that I constantly try to improve on, the issue of communicating what's happening, what's going on with the investors, and if anything is changing, and if anything is even not going well, uh, problems, stuff like that. I think everyone has uh, an inclination, including myself, uh, not to... um, to share everything, just to share the good things, uh, and usually it's uh, it's not good. Usually, it's much better to share everything and to keep uh, the investors updated and to to share the challenges and the changes and everything, uh, because um, investors are human beings like all of us, uh, and uh, people like to know what's going on and and to feel that they have uh, clarity of of. Of everything and it creates a better uh, working environment and
0: communication so you have to be clear with investors yeah. and that's and that's something I believe that is, is true and everybody should be uh, clear give us an example you know about a downside which is something you, you, you say uh, you know I'm not instinctively sharing it but you should share it
2: exactly so I think the most obvious one and probably something that Almost all entrepreneurs will encounter is, uh, you know, in a startup, you have ups and downs. So the downs are always there. Usually the the numbers, the numbers don't reach the the goals or the budget or the targets or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it always happens. You know, you have good times and the bad times. So in the bad times, um, you have to keep communicating that it's going bad. Why is it going bad? what's your plans to to get out of the the bad situation and uh, it's it's not it's always not easy to do that always yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because because you you know i care for for the invest the, the people that you know invested money in, in me yeah. basically and, and in the company and i want them to be happy i want them to see that we're successful and when when things are going the wrong way I still need to communicate with that with them, and it's always not a good feeling, uh, but that's the right thing to do.
0: Great. (laughs) I have another question about the experience. You know, I was a kid going to arcade, so I know I love machines, but at the end of the day, sometimes there's a line. Right. (laughs) There's a line to the machine, and you need to wait there, you know, in the line till it's your turn. And, and that's something you know that is uh, not scalable in, in, in our days with you know, the virtual right. digital uh, era. How do you address that?
2: Okay, so scalability is definitely one of the challenges and one of the questions that I get asked uh, the most. Uh, and uh, it is a challenge, but we have our ways to deal with it. So uh, first one is, might be surprising. We, you know, when, when you play in Chloe, when you play the claw machines, um, it, these are real claw machines. So, so as you said, if someone is playing the machine and you want to play the same machine, you get a line, you get a cue. So you have to kind of stand in line. And, but what happens is that you watch them play. Okay, you watch others play. And what we found out is that, not surprisingly, people love to watch others play. Uh, which, as you know, is a huge trend anywhere in Twitch and YouTube and mm-hmm, any- anywhere mm-hmm. else. Uh, but then it's it's a matter of how long, how much time you, ha- you need to wait. So if you only need to wait one round or two rounds or let's say less than one minute, we found out that it's, it, most of the times it's actually beneficial because uh, the player... Is watching someone else trying to to win the machine, trying to beat the machine, and they strategize and you they really feel the excitement.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And you learn from it. And you learn from it exactly, uh, which is you know I have uh, I have four kids and my youngest is playing uh, now it's his turn to play uh, Fortnite, <laughs> and he became so good he's like way way better th- than myself and he's six years old uh, and uh, one of the ways that he's doing that is by watching uh, others play on YouTube so watching others play is 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 interesting by itself but it's also beneficial uh, so it's, it's part of the solution is already built into the game uh, but obviously we have to make sure that the waiting times don't get prolonged too much and it's like only a few seconds Uh, and for that we have um, the the simple solution which is to build more machines and this is part of what we're doing right now we're uh, renovating our next uh, we call it the studio Mm -hmm. so our next studio to be to double up on the numbers of machines that we have but other than that we have some other technological um, uh, mechanisms to to improve the the allocation of players per machines and, and so forth and so You're on.
1: Trying to invent new games or while still taking games that familiar.
2: Okay, that's a that's a lovely question and it's a pity that we cannot that we do not do this interview in the studio <laughs> with the machines. No, seriously, because I know, you know m- most people here listen, so they cannot see. Uh, but it's an amazing experience to see the, the studio with all the machines. And if we were there, I would have shown you some of the machines that we're inventing. And we actually love to invent uh, new machines and new mechanics. Uh, and and our, our players love it as well. Uh, but what we're trying to do is kind of mimic uh, familiar games that we're all familiar with. So, for example, we have a basketball machine. And the basket, it, it's a real basketball. And you, we have a cannon, a ball cannon. It's a slightly smaller ball than an official uh, basketball. Uh, and the cannon shoots the ball into the basket, uh, which is very nice. Okay. You need to aim it. Yes, we have a uh, golf so uh, you aim a, a golf, golfing club to, uh, to, uh, to the ball and you have to shoot it into the hole. Uh, we have this kind of the same mechanism with soccer or uh, football. Uh, and, we, and also uh, my favorite machine is uh, a Nerf gun. If you know what's a Nerf gun, it's, it's kind of a gun that shoots uh, plastic balls, uh, and, and it's actually a, a huge one. It's, a, it's a, like a machine gun. It shoots a lot of uh, small plastic balls into um, uh, plastic clowns. So you know these machines where you have plastic clowns and you need to throw yeah, a yeah. ball to, to shoot them down? So instead of throwing the ball, we have a gun. Uh, shooting (laughs) yeah I know it's uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's, uh, as long as it's shooting only plastic clowns it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun and that's my personal favorite machine and I can tell you um, although it's not out there yet that uh, our next machine is going to be a bowling machine we actually bought two real bowling lanes with all the you know the machine that picks up the, the pins and, and puts the ball back. The real one, you know, real uh, bowling machine. And, and now um, our challenge is to make either a cannon that shoots the ball or a robotic hand that throws the ball uh, or, you know, your imagination can <laughs> uh, go wild here, but we actually need to make it happen. And I'm, 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 uh, I think that the bowling will be uh, another uh, big hit. So that
0: sounds exciting. And I understand that you have constant challenge of inventing yourself again and again to have the user actually feel that he throws the ball, Mm -hmm. that he, you know, pushes something and let him feel more realistic out there.
2: Yes, I think uh, that's one of the big challenges. Definitely one of the big challenges is to keep uh, inventing and to keep and um, providing the user experience the player experience that is as close to reality as possible it is reality because you are controlling something real yeah yeah uh, but it, it is a little bit different because you know we have to replace the hand of yeah. the of the player remotely let's,
1: let's yeah. try to, to focus on the logistic because it's not only about the game you started to say i found myself delivering
2: exactly <laughs> So,
1: how did you build your logistic when you started to scale?
2: Okay, so I think the the issue here that we face is the complexity of what we're doing, and when you're doing something that's very complex, um, you have um, pros and cons. Okay, advantages and disadvantages. The advantage is that you're doing something that's usually different that's usually unique and it's usually uh, harder to copy. So you have uh, barriers for entry. The downside is that you have to deal with lots of complex things. And what our company is facing is that unlike other mobile game companies where they have only a software to deal with, which is definitely hard enough because in software you need to you know, okay. create the software, you need to make the economy work, you need to do the marketing the UI, the features, the everything's, and it's so complex that you know, it's unimaginable. Uh, our company, on top of that, have, has three, uh, or at least three other verticals that we need to deal with. First one is obviously the machines. So, uh, so this is hardware. So building the machine, maintaining the machines, uh, refilling the machines, fixing the machines, uh, inventing new machines. So that's that's a big challenge because every time that you connect uh, software with hardware, you have uh, double the amount of the difficulties yeah. and, and problems. Uh, so that's one big extra thing that we have to deal with. The other one being uh, e-commerce, uh, as you said, you know the the logistics of um, of e-commerce. Mm-hmm. So we're basically a mobile games app, but we're also, in a way, an e-commerce uh, um, app, uh, because what we have, uh, so so, let's talk uh, maybe a few words about the prizes that we have in Chloe, because that will explain why it's complex. You know, if you go to the arcade center and you play a claw machine, usually you will see one or two claw machines and you have some stupid things inside, you know, uh, whatever, a keychain or, or s- things like that, What we can provide is something completely different because um, we have at any given time 500 different prizes in the app. So we can cater to a very large uh, audiences or uh, different audiences. We can, you know, young, small, women, men and different interests. So we have the the biggest um, categories, obviously the the dolls, the stuffed uh, animals, or like Americans call it plushies. Uh, and that's obviously the, the biggest uh, category. And, and also in that category, you have subcategories and you have different brands. And I was amazed to learn about the power of different brands. Like, for example, we have uh, Disney stuff and, uh, and uh, Marvel and stuff like that. And I found out that the, the strongest brand by far are Pokemons. <laughs> <laughs> really you cannot imagine the power of that brand so we have all these kind of uh, plushies um, and big and small and licensed and non-licensed uh, you know just stuff without any brand or, uh, that's very cheap uh, or, and, and very expensive stuff that is fully licensed and uh, official uh, but other than that we have different categories like uh, um, gadgets uh, for phones or for anything else and uh, we have home goods and apparel and uh, and all this and needs to be delivered okay, at the end so, of the day right So all of this stuff needs to be bought so you have to you have to uh, uh, calculate how many you have to buy and have to be um, um, stock. stocked somewhere and then you have to deliver them so it's it's a complete e-commerce issue okay and and at the beginning, we solved that problem. We didn't want to deal with it, okay? So we said, okay, we will deal with it later on. So we found a relatively easy solution. And the solution was to drop ship it. Okay, so at the beginning, we didn't buy anything. We just drop ship. Mm-hmm. Drop ship means that we actually buy them from AliExpress and from Amazon, like they anyone send else. It. Yes, and they actually send it and we still have a a platform that manages all of that stuff um but that was a very easy solution uh, to get started today uh, we are already uh, doing so many other things Uh, we're doing direct deals with some of the big brands and we have deals with you know very big companies even like even with uh, nintendo uh, for, for, for let's say for the Mario Brothers uh, IP. So we actually managed to close the deal with them and we don't have to pay anything extra for using such amazing brands because uh, their interest is that we only buy official and licensed products and that we buy directly from them and not from anyone else. Mm-hmm. So they actually, we managed to close very, very good deals. And now even some of the brands want to get priority over other brands. So uh, they, they do these kind of uh, things with them. And uh, we, we have, we have uh, uh, warehouses in, in the US and in China, and in in we, exp- we we intend to have warehouses in other uh uh countries as well uh, and and the, the interesting thing uh, just uh, you know one funny thing about that is that it is Ex much to send to send an item from uh, the U.S. to the U.S. internally, even if it's the next street, the minimum cost is four dollars. And if you send the same item from China to the U.S., it's about two dollars or even less. <laughs> it's a crazy world, <laughs> <Yeah>. very crazy <laughs> world. But so it's y- a
1: completely different experience because if you started by AliExpress, so it's arrived with their brand and right. you, you didn't have a control. Right. it's how people get it, and now I guess that you having all this logistic because you want it to be branded by your company and to give the the celebration for that this is your price,
2: right? It's a combination of reasons. And one costs. of them is the is the branding. The other one is cost. So we have to yeah. we c- when we buy in bulk. Yeah, obviously, yeah. you're you're
0: reducing your costs reducing cost. at the end of the day, and it becomes yes. more efficient, right. As well, and as Elas said, I'm sure it's 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 smart. It's much more delightful to get it, f- you know, yes. from the brand itself, yeah. and not like you and know, with the package,
2: uh, with the packaging, yeah, that yeah has yeah. our brand yeah. on it and yeah. everything,
0: yeah, sure. It's,
1: it feels like a closure, yeah. of yeah. The, the experience, and, and omni, the, yeah, an omni-channel <laughs>
0: experience. An, an omnichannel exactly. experience. Uh, I I want to address that. The end of the day sounds. Sorry if it sounds bad. It sounds like you're managing a circus. You have <laughs> you you have a real arcade. You have stocks with dolls and you know presents and gifts and an app, you know, new, wow. new modern right. digital right. platform. And it sounds very complicated. It is complex. It sounds very complicated. But I want to sink you in back to what you did before before you, you went in, into this venture and that's and that's marketing. Right the end of the day you need to take this and market it very well push it all over the world because it's it's global right it's it's a global product right how have you done that
2: okay so marketing is you know where i feel more comfortable always because that's where that's what i've been doing for the last uh, 20 years in uh, many different companies and they were all global companies doing online or mobile uh, marketing uh, and that is m- almost only or mostly performance based marketing which is kind of different than uh, you know traditional marketing uh, because you know everything is uh, measured and everything is uh, optimized and and we know everything about any cent that we're uh, spending and once you measure and you know what's happening for every cent that you're spending you can spend much more because you know what works and what doesn't and you know if it returns uh, if it has positive returns on the spend so basically the concept in uh, performance marketing is spend as much as you can as long as it it uh, brings back the the payback that you're yeah. looking for mm-hmm. yeah that you know uh, you can set up the the rois differently if you want to get it uh, to break even within uh, uh, one month or 12 months or whatever but As long as you have that uh, set up and it works, usually it doesn't work. If it works, then basically you're supposed to invest as much as you can. To increase as much as you can. So you
0: get into this formula of marketing Mm -hmm. and then you say you just need to push more money into it. And you get better results. Yeah, it's a little a bit, bigger, bigger yeah. results.
2: It's a little bit more complex than that. Obviously, you have to know what you're doing, and you have to keep iterating and and trying uh, also new creative, and new channels, and what new what things. Kind of
1: you, can you even talk about all that need to plan this marketing budget and everything?
2: <sighs> so we, it depends, you know. I think today, uh, you know, 20 years ago, not many people were familiar with that uh, kind of. Uh, how to do that, but today it's a, a bit more uh, widespread, the, the knowledge and the, the processes. So uh, I- if they're not familiar with that, they should take someone, it's it's a very important uh, thing. Obviously that's, you know, you cannot expect to put your uh, product out there and have everyone rushing in to take your product because that's usually not how it works. It does happen once in a blue moon, but usually it not, it's not how it works. Uh, so uh, um, you should take someone that knows what he's doing. It's a profession by itself, and and you should you should look at the KPIs. You know you should, the, and the most important KPI is the ROI, right? Usually, some some uh, products have uh, different uh, KPIs. Or the beginning, usually you have you measure something else like uh, retention or. Uh, how many games, etc. So, But you need to make sure that you know what are the KPIs, what you're measuring, and then you need to test it as fast as possible, really. As soon as possible, you can start testing it and and looking how far you are from the KPI that you defined. And let's say it is ROI, and let's say that you want to uh, get um, 100% ROI or ROAS, uh, that's called in the marketing. It means that uh, the money that you spent got back to you uh, let's say entirely uh, and then you need to define how fast you want it to, to get back to you okay so it can happen within a month which is amazing and outstanding and usually will not happen hmm. or only if you're spending a very low amount or if you have uh, either more uh, budgets or more time uh, and you ne- you can wait six months and or twelve months until that money comes back um, and uh, and that's it. You plan the KPIs. You start uh, testing it, and then uh, you see if it works uh, and does it or it doesn't. And then obviously you. And another thing is that it also really depends on the budget that you're spending, because if you're spending a hundred dollars per day, you will usually get a much better results than if you're spending a hundred thousand dollars per day. Uh, at least on performance marketing, because um, because today the channels and the big channels are obviously Facebook and Google, and then there's some others, but these are the the biggest ones, and, and most of the channels they know how to target uh, the right people. Okay, it's not just pray and spray; it's very very targeted. So at the beginning, they're targeting the most lucrative and and relevant um customers and the more that you spend they cannot keep targeting the same people they have to uh, expand and they have to uh, widen their uh, aiming and when you widen your aiming you get less quality uh, people and also the the cost of the media increases so you have to assume that also when you're starting to test with a hundred dollars and you see everything is good you have to expect that the, the more you increase, the, the returns will diminish.
0: What are the most popular machines in the arcade today?
1: <laughs> <laughs> <It> <laughs> this is to a question uh, I want to <laughs> ask from the beginning.
2: <laughs> so actually, um, the most the popularity goes by the prize and not by the machine. Um, so the most popular prizes are the branded ones and as I said, the Pokemons. Uh, all the Pokemon family. We have almost all of them. I was not actually that familiar with And that, they're
0: so. only on certain machines?
2: Yes. How did
0: you decide to locate it on that machine? Or? That's a
2: good question. We keep uh, trying to to optimize and to, to, to check which machine is suitable for which price. Uh, and also, as you said, there are some machines that are more popular than others. And um, like, for example, uh, we have uh, machines that are called UFO catchers, uh, they're Japanese style machines and they look completely different than uh, the claw machines that we're used to. In Japan, if you go to visit Japan, you will see that, first of all, they have um, these claw machines everywhere, like in the main streets, every 50 meters, you have uh, a shop only for claw machines. It's but it's
0: interesting because because <laughs> vending machines are very popular in Japan as yeah, well.
2: Yeah, so so claw machines are extremely popular, but their machines, the U F O catchers, are completely different. They instead of three prongs, uh, three fingers that that are the claw machines have, they only have two. <laughs> so two, and and you, you, instead of picking up the the item that you're trying to catch you have to drop it down so there is a big hole and it's the the price is located on like two prongs and you have to kind of push it in a way so it falls down and these machines are actually amazing uh they're less familiar you know people are less familiar with them in the west but they they work amazingly well and uh, with west west Um, users also with west users once they get used to it
1: main perceptions one usually people go they go to the machine they play they have fun then mm. they choose their price you said no they want the prize, then they decide which machine to go no. to you actually did the opposite and the other thing is like i said usually people go out to play and you say no stay at home stay at home it's good with COVID. <laughs> yeah I <guess> exactly we <laughs> can discuss it you actually took two, let's say, two main values and actually disrupt it?
2: Yes, yeah, so what we're talking about playing and then choosing the prize, it's it's more like the arcade center where you have uh, lots of different machines and you get the tickets, and then you go to the counter choose the and prize. choose the prize. Yeah. Uh, but in actually in, in uh, claw machines, it's not the case. You just go for the machine with the prize that you want. And that's what's happening on our, um, on our app. But we also added that concept, which you just mentioned. We also give, for every game, we give tickets. And then you can accumulate tickets and you go to what we call in inside Chloe. It's called the freebie shop where you can exchange your tickets for any kind of prize that you choose. So we have both of these concepts. And in terms of uh, staying inside, I think, you know, everyone is already playing and everyone is a player. So uh, so it's it's... Obvious that you need to make these things available also to play uh, from your phone, from a mobile phone, and don't have to go to the arcade center. But obviously, here now in these times with the coronavirus, uh, people cannot go outside even if they do want to. So it's it's it, it's amazing, especially for us because the the entire gaming industry gained uh, a lot of new players from the corona, Uh, uh, but I think that we are positioned in even in a more unique uh, place because we actually give the experience of playing on real, in a real arcade center, even with live, you know, with people around you. So uh, that's uh, wonderful,
0: (laughs) really, because at the end of the day, it's like you said, you, you they're playing from home, but they're going outside. In in a certain in a a certain way,
1: but you said you started to develop like the bowling, and usually usually it's like three, five people, you know. There's a (laughs) contest. So how do you uh, give the same uh, competition and social event?
2: So I think we can do exactly that. I think we can do exactly that. You know, the feeling of uh, real competition with other players. Like you have in other games, you know, whatever, Fourth So you'll Clash watch Royale. yourself now and then so, it's the other one yeah. turn, you'll watch him exactly. and then it becomes your turn again? Exactly so, exactly so. Are you already doing it? Not yet, but that's uh, in the plan. We also have uh, a new game coming out uh, next month, uh, which is all about playing arcade games without... Uh, real physical prizes only the prizes that we use to to get in other all other games which is to progress and to win uh, more things uh, and to get uh, virtual trophies and stuff like that and that game is it will take the company uh, even one step further uh, it is more challenging um, but I think that's uh, that's that's more interesting because that's the vision of the company. What we're trying to do is actually create a new vertical within the gaming space, which is by itself uh, very inspiring. I
0: but, think. but I have to ask this question, if you're going to, you know, put a machine with an arcade machine, let's say Golden Axe, or I don't know right. what game is on it. At the end of the day, this is something that could be fully digital. What, what do you gain? Sort of we're playing not, it in we're real not doing time digital arcade? games.
2: We're only doing physical games that, that Something physical is happening in the real world, like like shooting, like basketball, like bowling. I understand, okay. but there are no prizes. That, no that's prizes. That's what you. I yeah, got you. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Exactly.
0: All right. That's that's very that's a very unique yeah. and 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 different startup than right. the people we usually meet here. Yeah. It's about gamification, but as I said, it's you know the past and the future right. combines it all together. And do you have any any insights from from, you know from users you know different cultures different different places in the world what what's going on
2: (laughs) within that data? Absolutely. So first, I think um, obviously we learn a lot from our players. Um, Some things we can learn. Some things it's not usually not possible to learn from the players because usually what happens is if you ask the players um, or the customers what what do they want, the 90% of the time they will answer uh, to get free coins. <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah, that's like 90% of the time. Uh, so or, or any kind of variation of that. Okay, to, ma- to have the app be cheaper, to, to be able to get more uh, coins cheaper and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> uh, but but sometimes you do get very interesting insights uh from the players uh either from asking them but also from simply watching the data of how they play how much they play when they play what do they play how much they pay uh, and the data can tell you a lot uh, and you know these days you have to watch the data very uh, carefully and you have to take the right decisions based on on data. Otherwise, no chance for success. Absolutely. You
1: didn't expect that you learn from the data. It was like a surprise.
2: Um, You know, actually it happens a lot uh, because uh, what we're constantly doing, Um, we're actually, we we talked, we spoke a lot about the the machines but a lot of our focus goes to the app itself to the game itself and uh, as as you know if you play some games uh, most of the successful games have lots of features uh In in the industry, we call it the core loop and the meta features. So the core loop is kind of like the the actual things that that you're playing, the the actual game, and the meta features are everything that's around it. So, for example, uh, the leaderboards, the bonuses, the friends, the progression in in the story or in the map or in whatever you're doing. So uh, we're constantly trying to to put in more and more uh, meta features like that and many times we have a notion of obviously that has to work because it creates an additional uh, interest point or additional uh, layer and many times you you, th- you see that it you, you know when we release things we always you know, almost always release them in what's called an ab test so uh, half of the group uh, of usually w- for new user new players but also sometimes for existing players so uh, you divide the, into two or more uh, groups, and some of the groups don't get the new features, and some some do. And and then you look at the data. And if you're trying to analyze only something that's very far from what's going on, so for example, the, the profitability. Okay, the bottom line is always the profitability or the revenues. Okay, how much a how much are people paying? Okay, that's usually the bottom lines, uh, but sometimes or most of the times it's too far from what what's actually you're trying to make an impact on okay maybe you're trying to make them uh, use that new feature and by that to play more games not necessarily to pay more okay but just to play more games or to or more change time. or more time or to change something in their behavior okay uh, so you have to uh, set up the um, the measurement, even beforehand, before you release the feature, you have to in advance think what's going to be the, the, the KPI that you're going to measure. And then you have to measure that. And sometimes uh, if you look too far, let's say at the profitability, you will not see any change. okay? Or you, you will, might even see the reverse of what you expect. And if you look uh, at something that's much more relevant and immediate, immediately affected by the change that you've made, you will understand what's going on later on. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it happened to us many times. For example, we released about um, less than half a year ago, we released something that's called a, co- a collection cabinet, okay? When, when uh, someone wins uh, a prize on the app, he has two choices. two choices, either to take it home or they can exchange it back for more coins to play on okay that's from the get go of the app from three years ago and then we realized that uh, at some point our play we saw in the data that uh, that at the beginning and uh, most of the players take the prizes home all, all of the prizes but the more they play the less they take them home and the more they exchange it and that made us very fast realize that they're interested in the gameplay itself and not necessarily only in the, only in the prizes, in getting the actual prizes. So they like the game. It's fun for them. It makes them happy. They don't necessarily need a uh, hundred dolls. Okay. They can suffice with 10 and the rest they can exchange for more gameplay. Uh, so we thought about how can we build um, uh, features that will even take that one step further so we thought okay we uh we get a lot of uh pictures that our players uh, send us uh, when they get the prizes so they do a selfie with the prizes we have we have few thousands of these pictures you can f- all find all of them uh, on our facebook page we have uh, the official uh, chloe uh, facebook page and you will see thousands of players with uh, pictures that they took from uh, from with the prizes and over time we saw that it's instead of taking a picture with one or two prizes, it was like walls filled <laughs> with prizes, really hundreds of prizes. And and we thought, okay, why don't we build such a wall or a cabinet inside the app where they can, you know, keep their prizes forever, mm-hmm still get some more coins for that, you know, to play on, but also kind of keep the prize and not let it go. So we built kind of a virtual cabinet that uh, looks exactly like a real cabinet. And, mm-hmm. and once the player uh, caught the prize, he can either take it home or put it in the cabinet. And we were very excited about that feature. And what happened is that we thought we saw that, it, it, that pl- most of the players didn't use it. They didn't like it. They didn't like their price to, to get stuck there without the ability to actually take it home less or exchange tangible. it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Less tangible. So, what we did is we changed the, the way we thought about that, uh, um, about that feature. And we basically enabled them to keep it in the cabinet and to take, and it, to home. take it home. <laughs> <laughs> and I was about to ask <laughs> why or, and, <laughs> yeah. and then you said th- that so option. Yeah, exactly.
1: But I want to take you to, you said A B testing. So right. do you do it randomly or you just monitor the early adopters? How do you decide about the A-B testing?
2: Okay, so A-B testing is, is, a, is a thing by itself. Uh, and what we found out is that when you test on new players, okay, that's the easiest is to test on new players because they don't know what was anything that was before. They don't. They're usually not aware of what other players have. In the more veteran players that we have are are very active in the community and they keep uh, talking with each other and, and and comparing what they have so you cannot you know play too much with that so the easiest way is to test on uh, new players and this is, yeah
1: this is like very important insight because you said they don't know what was before right. so it's easy to test so when people get familiar with the interface and the experience it's harder much to much change harder their, their habits
2: okay <laughs> In two ways, it's harder. One is that they get used to something and whenever you move the cheese for someone, they most of the time they get upset or uncomfortable unless you communicate it very well and unless it's very, very beneficial for them. Mm-hmm. So it's always a delicate thing. Uh, and the other uh, issue is that when you test on new players, you simply have to randomly um, uh, allocate them between the groups. Uh, Whereas when you test on uh, on existing players, uh, random allocation is not always best. Sometimes you really have to uh, pick and choose uh, to make sure that the two groups have the same uh, same kind of uh, players from all levels and all uh, places, etc. So it's much more difficult to test on. uh, But for new players,
0: players, it's like the reality. That's that's what they know. That's what they know. That's what they get. And you can measure it. At the end of the day, but when you want to A-B test, you do want to know with your current users, how they are going to digest it. So, Absolutely. So you have to test them on them as well.
2: Yes. So so it's always uh, um, something that we need to decide if we go the, the more difficult route or not. And, and you know, both has advantages and disadvantages.
0: Y- you're always talking about an app. Are you available on web platform yes. as yes. well? Yes,
2: yes. Just cloy.com.
1: Now <laughs> we are in the end of our episode, so we have a tradition. Really? You need to give three major tips to entrepreneurs.
2: Wow. In which direction?
0: <laughs> three tips three. for entrepreneurs. Okay, so I have, uh,
2: <laughs> I have one very common one. Um, usually, when, you th- when you're not sure if you should take money or not, Usually the answer is that you need to take it. <laughs> uh, I've heard it from uh, many others, but it's definitely true. Oh, most of the times it's true. Uh, next one, even more important, I would say, and also very common tip, but you know when you, when you experience it personally, you realize how, how powerful it is. Um, take very strong people to be with you, strong, experienced, and driven, and smart. I know. You know it's, uh, <laughs> it's 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 all about the people at the end of the day. You know, even if you have a very unique and amazing idea and and vision like we have still to make it happen. The world is very competitive, very difficult. Everything can go wrong. You need the right people uh, on your team. And I'm very happy that uh, we do that we do have the right people and we have an amazing team and amazing people and we're bringing on more people. Uh, and and now we reach the stage that uh, our com- the, the 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 way for us to break through is also to get a lot of existing knowledge from the industry and luckily we're in israel and in israel we have a very big industry of gaming uh, companies so we're actually uh, looking to get more and more um, people that are from the industry and have, have that specific knowledge in the real background. Yes, yeah. it's, it's so important. I cannot stress it enough, even for the entire hour.
0: <laughs> All right. The one. No. We got one, two, yeah, yeah. You third need one. to bring another one.
2: <laughs> okay. Um. Third one is that if you're thinking about uh, starting a startup, you need to think carefully <laughs> 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 because the one thing that you will need the most, by far the most, is resilience. Okay, resilience. I mean personal resilience. Uh, you need your personality to know how to deal with uh, downturns and 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 to get hit and to to rise up again uh, because it will happen <laughs> and you will get hit hard and then you have to stand up again so uh
0: great thanks. tips thank you very much ron you're very welcome thanks ilan so this was another episode of TLV DNA here and uh you can listen to us on all major platforms from spotify apple podcast google Podcasts, and watch this episode on youtube Thank you very much, guys, and we see you next episode.